Hello, product innovators. Today, we learn what the 2023 emerging trends in hardware product development are from a 30-year industry veteran who has both developed hundreds of products and built product development tools. You're listening to the Product Startup Podcast, a show to learn from top leaders in product development, prototyping, manufacturing, product selling, and everything in between. Hosted by Kevin Macko, the leading expert on product development for physical product startups. Sponsored by PTC's two best-in-class 3D CAD product development software solutions, Onshape and Creo. And produced by Macko Design and Invent, the original firm providing world-class consumer product development services tailored specifically to startups, small manufacturers, and inventors. Welcome back, everyone. Today, I'm very excited to introduce Brian Thompson to the show. Brian is the head of Creo CAD software for PTC. He spent the first 16 years of his career doing CAD design engineering for hundreds of products, many of which are still in production today. Then the last 14 years building CAD software solutions to allow designers to make better hardware products. Today, Brian is going to share some valuable knowledge from inventors, startups, and small manufacturers on what the three main product development trends are for 2023, which include using design simulations, designing earlier for manufacturing, and using additive manufacturing for a short run or medium term production run. Now, on to the episode. Hey, Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here, Kevin. Appreciate it. Thank you. I'm excited today to talk about the trends that are emerging in product development for consumer products in 2023. A lot's changing and at fast pace and a lot of really good things are happening, especially for hardware startups in the software, the development, the design for manufacturing. Basically, all kinds of things are happening to make it easier for somebody with an idea to go from that idea through development and into producing their own new product and building their own new product brand. Before we jump into all of that, give us a bit of a history because you've been involved for 30 years in product development and CAD software design, both of those fields at a very high level. Talk a bit about your history from then until now. Yeah, I appreciate it, Kevin. It has been an interesting time here. I've been at PTC only about 14 years. And I don't know how well the gray hair is coming through on the uh, the podcast here, but you could tell I haven't been out of college 14 years. I spent the first 16 years of my career actually in industry as a product development guy, mechanical engineering background, worked at four or five different companies, developed a lot of new products over that time frame. For your audience, just understand I have many, many, many drawings that I actually built that went into production. And a lot of them are still in production today, even though I haven't been in industry for a decade and a half and got excited about product management at some point in time. I worked in semiconductor capital equipment industry for a little while and product managers in that industry are very, very technical. So they brought an engineer into that role. They tend to be business and marketing people. And actually, it turns out that product managers at PTC are also very technically inclined. All the product managers on my team now, as I run the Creo CAD business here at PTC, I'm the general manager of that business. All my product managers are engineers. So I grew up as a product manager at PTC and and have been at PTC now 14 years. And I've been doing this job running the CAD business now in my eighth year, almost seven and a half years I've been doing that. So great to be on here. I appreciate you giving me a chance to talk a little about my background because actually for this audience, I think it's super relevant. Especially as we're looking at these trends that are coming forward. Yeah. The CAD software, it, it's the foundation for how all products are made. They're made through 3D CAD design. I mean, us at the design firm, this is pretty much all we do all day is design yeah. and engineer and prototype products using CAD software. Yeah. And obviously, Onshape and Creo. And for those who don't know, interesting tidbit, Creo is the rebrand of ProE, which is a major brand. And you guys yep. basically just took the ProE brand, rebranded it to Creo yep. about 10 years ago. Yep, that's right. It's neck and neck now in terms of brand recognition on the internet. <laughs> and ProEngineer, it's such a strong brand, really wanted to make sure the market understood we're headed in a new bold direction with the CAD technology. And it's been a success. I will say that. But I think the marketing team within PTC felt the most pain, like trying to get that brand recognition over 
a new brand with Pro Engineer having such a strong brand uh, in the past. Ultimately, I think we're happy we did it. Many, many, many customers that have been around the market for a long time still think of Pro E in the back of their mind. And everybody needs to know that the core engine of Pro Engineer is there inside Creo. It's it's still the same technology under the hood that's been, I would say, significantly advanced since we rebranded. Yeah, amazing. And then you took a lot of that technology, learnings, et cetera, from CAD and then created the cloud-based Onshape as well, which is a phenomenal software package that essentially is cloud-based CAD design between teams or individually or whatever else, right? Yeah, I would say, to be clear, we acquired the Onshape business a few years ago and merged the minds of some pretty some pretty heady folks. You know, we talk about uh, someone like John Herstick, who's an absolute titan in the CAD world. He now works for PTC and has now for three and a half years. And that was been a major, major deal for us because he's injected a lot of really, really customer-centric and now cloud-centric thinking into how to develop CAD products. And we'll talk a little bit at the end about what's next for us here at PTC after we talk about some trends. But one of the major things is John's influence and in helping us all think differently about how CAD will work and how CAD will exist on the cloud and how that will help engineers do a better job as well. So that's very, very exciting development for us. Yeah, amazing. And I think a lot of that relates to the trends we're talking about today. So there's three big trends we're going to talk about, and I'm not going to spoil it. Uh, Brian, why don't we start with number one, and we'll talk through those to get to the three of them. And then at the end, we can talk about some exciting things that are coming up in a big event that's coming up in May as well. The yeah, hardware startups yeah. are going to want to know. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I would say the first one, I would say for sure, the first one is simulation, or I should say the adoption of simulation earlier and earlier and more pervasively throughout the design process. And I would say the big change in the last few years with simulation has been advances in the technology that are making simulation so much easier to work with as a new person just trying to adopt simulation who just understands the basic physics of how simulation is supposed to work, the technologies are advancing to the point where you no longer have to be an expert with how to manipulate loads and boundary conditions to not get divide by zero problems in your meshing or in your solving. It's really, really amazing how far the technology has come in the last, I would say, five years. And you know, we noticed this happening in the market. We partnered with Ansys to try to get their technology in the hands of the everyday design engineer. And it's been a massive, massive, success. And so it really is a technology that has been underutilized early in the design process. But the fact of the matter is the earlier you use it, the more likely you are to catch, I'll just say assumptions that you made in the design early on that are you know wrong. Design engineers make gut assumptions on their designs all the time that are well-intentioned, but end up driving too much cost, driving sort of a quality challenge into the design very early on. And the earlier you can catch those things, the more cost-effective it will be to take them out. And using simulation early in the design process is a big deal there to improve that. That's so powerful. I can tell you from the design firm angle, our industrial designers, mechanical engineers, electronic engineers, no matter what way you look at it, we are big early adopters. Well, before COVID and all that, we were super cloud-based and we were, of course, early adopters on digital simulations because what that does is that helps you vet out all kinds of theories, both problems and opportunities. And the more tools that we have available to us as designers, the easier it is for us to make a better quality product on a lower budget. That's really what it comes down to and speed to market, of course. So you can do a whole 
bunch of things digitally, which you had to, in prior years, do physically. You had to actually right. build the thing and test it. Well, there's so much now we can do digitally. What that does is that really improves the quality, not just of the prototyping process, but as we evolve from prototyping to vet out everything into manufacturing. And that's where it's extremely helpful to have these digital tools available so that we can really test out all these different, as you call it, I love it, engineering theories on the actual yeah. technology, really to figure out how to build a better product earlier yeah. in the development process. Yeah, I, I totally agree. You know, one of the benefits of using simulation early and often that's not talked about as often is the fact that if you are really good at applying simulation early in the design process, you have the opportunity to explore a much broader solution space. You can explore many, many, many more design alternatives if you can rapidly apply simulation to your designs and get feedback on whether those designs are helping you get in the right direction or not. And that is changing the game. We find a lot of customers are willing to invest in simulation, not just because they know it drive better quality and not just because they know it'll help them avoid costly prototypes, but also because we know, and I think this is particularly relevant for startups, we know it'll help customers get to the best product to meet their customers' needs much more efficiently than if they don't use simulation, right? If you're just doing test break, you're just not going to evaluate as many, many alternatives as you will if you're doing all that digitally. And that is, uh, I would say, less hidden today, but that has been an often a hidden benefit of simulation is just how many different design variations can you evaluate? Well, you know, the better and better the simulation gets, the more of them you can evaluate in really the same amount of time. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I like looking at it both as like pain points and opportunities because Definitely. you have a nice healthy Definitely. balance of that. And Definitely. it allows you to also put better effort even into the prototyping process. You could be more yes. focused. So in the prototyping process, you no longer have to like put, let's say, 20 different unknowns into it. 15 of the unknowns you can figure out digitally. The That's last right. five, let's say, are the ones that you really focus on. So we're going to build yep. and we're going to test for those things because the other ones we already figured out. So even as you go through your prototyping process, first of all, you'll cut the number of prototypes down significantly. Sure. So rather than for having sure. to do five or 10 of them, maybe you have to do two or three now. Mm -hmm. And then second, in addition to that, you're much more focused in those prototypes, which brings back to what you're saying, Brian, it's not just problem solving, but it's also opportunities. So within those That's prototypes, right. you can really harness the evaluation of those things and then migrate those learnings into the subsequent prototype or into production, which leads to the second piece, I think, which is very powerful. Yeah. So how do we actually flow this through all the way to production? And how does that lead into a trend you're seeing for 2023? It's a great tie into the second topic here. And I think that it would be useful to understand a little bit of history here. I think for a long time, 3D CAD tools had integrated within them, I would say, suboptimal technologies to help with design for particular manufacturing processes, whether it's designing something for injection molding purposes or designing something to be bent up in sheet metal or maybe designing something to be machined or just turned or what have you. And as a result, companies still had the freedom to make what I would call point solution decisions. They might pick a technology to say, do their NC toolpaths, their machining toolpaths that isn't directly tied to the CAD. And that can work and that's great. But the fact of the matter is, if you're going to evolve the design over time, or you're going to create derivative designs every time you make an evolution of an existing design or make a derivative design from an existing design. If your design for manufacturing process technology is not tied intimately to your CAD environment, it will create a bottleneck in the process. Well, I call it context switching. You're context switching from the design tool to the manufacturing tool, and you lose a lot of efficiency because you end up redoing at least a lot of thinking or physical work in the environments. And what we're finding is the technologies in CAD tools are catching up and getting more and more sophisticated to the point where customers are re-looking at it because they're saying, I can pretty much do what I want. 
in the technology, let's say, again, for machining, just as, to use an example, I can pretty much do what I want in the technology that helps me set up the tool paths in the CAD tool. And when you add in the benefit of the fact that now tool paths are associatively tied to the core design, and as I evolve or make derivative designs of that core design, I get extremely efficient updates to the downstream manufacturing process information. Now you have a huge, huge win. It might not seem like a big deal for someone doing the design for the first time. I get that. But today's startup is tomorrow's, hey, let's make the next evolution of this existing design. Let's make a derivative design now that we've got customers feedback. And as soon as that starts happening, you will love the fact that you closely tied the manufacturing team to the engineering team, did all that in one design process because the handoff efficiency is huge if you're doing it together. Absolutely. That's so powerful. Even in the prototyping phase, but as you migrate into production, the more intelligence you have in the CAD software that looks forward, the easier each of those subsequent steps is. And that's one of the big misconceptions with design of a new product, especially for a new hardware startup that's never been through the product design process before. They look at it and they say, okay, well, I've got the design or I've got this idea. Let's start at the idea phase. They have this brilliant idea for this new gadget. And then they either work with a design firm or if they're a designer themselves, they come up with this nice CAD that shows the features. But that's the first part of it. The first part is showing the CAD with the features and the vision that you have. The next part is actually figuring out how that works. That's the hardcore detailed Mm -hmm. underlying engineering. Mm -hmm. And that's the Mm -hmm. first misconception. First misconception is, well, if I have a design file, I'm just ready to produce. Well, no, you actually need to figure out how that works. And that's the details in engineering. But then this is the bigger misconception. A lot of people, even if they understand that, okay, of course, you have to do some detailed engineering on mechanical engineering and the industrial design elements that integrate with the mechanical engineering, the electronic engineering that puts all this together. If you have electronics in your product, know that that's like your vetting of the workability of the product. But the next big step is manufacturability. And there's a big knowledge transition that happens between a functional, let's say a fully functional engineering drawing, even fully functional prototype. This thing works well, looks perfect the way I want it. Excellent. Know that now you actually have to figure out how to produce that. Well, how do we make that process of going through those three steps easier? And this is exactly what Brian's talking about today. You start with obviously your design and your vision. That's very important. But you start integrating manufacturing logic as you go into the prototyping and engineering phase. Oh, absolutely. Even more and more manufacturing logic as you're going, but before you're going into production so that as you migrate into production, it's again, not seamless, but relatively seamless, right? It's a few last hurdles as Mm -hmm. opposed to having to constantly loop back and rework the entire design to get to the next phase. And that's how you can move through those one, two, three steps. But that's also a big thing that really hardware startups need to understand is looking forward, if you're at that idea phase, know that each of those three has a whole bunch of detailed design and engineering that goes into them. And the earlier that you can bring in logic and tools and et cetera, that can help carry you through to that end state, the easier it will actually be to get to that final state of really producible product. No doubt. And it's a very good tie back to the first topic, right? You, you can introduce sort of, I would say, functional problems in your design early without using simulation to test whether or not your design is going to meet its function. Well, you can also introduce design for manufacturability problems into your design early without testing that for manufacturability with the manufacturing experts and using systems tied to your CAD in order to assess the manufacturability of the design early as well. Both types of design issues, everybody makes these kinds of mistakes. That's why it's called product development. You don't just show up with a production-ready design on day one. Both types of issues are costly to address. Whether you have a late stage functional problem that you uncover in prototype testing that you could have caught with simulation, 
or you have a late stage, high cost driving manufacturability problem that you uncover when you're finally starting to tool up your design. Both are very costly things to fix once the design is very mature. So getting that insight early in the design process and having a better connection into manufacturing is really important for a lot of the same reasons as it was to apply simulation early in the design process for our first for my first topic. Absolutely. And know that those costs only get bigger and bigger and bigger. So that yes, whatever your yep. cost is to rework the design or the prototype or put a little bit of effort into those simulations, whatever that might be, is a fraction of what the cost is oh, to absolutely. discover those defects later. And even worse, yeah. as you go to market, that's where it's super expensive because now it's not just a physical cost of fixing it, but it's a brand reputation cost and all the oh, other definitely. costs that can go along definitely. with those elements of failure. You know, it's interesting because at Macro Design, we were startups. And one of the things about startups is that for the most part, us as a design firm have to produce the products that we design. So we were kind of forced into it way early, like years and years ago, we were forced into this concept early. We couldn't just come up with these like blue sky ideas and get the client to say, wow, that's amazing. Looks nice. We had to bring in more and more manufacturing knowledge in earlier into the process. And that's what I really love about what you guys are doing at PTC, whether it's Onshape or Creo or whatever else, you're giving us as designers the tools to be able to look at some of those challenges, even in the early design phase or into rough prototyping or test prototyping or whatever else, we can start addressing some of these problems earlier than before so that the client has the power to make the decision on whether they want to develop further and solve the problem, or maybe it's not that important of a feature and they can save it for their next version. And having that ability to really be collaborative and interactive earlier in the process, understanding what the outcome is in production has been very valuable, both as a design firm, but most importantly, to the customers, to the clients that are trying to launch these successful new products. And all of that comes down to the tools and the technology in the actual CAD software for us to run that simulation work. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting. I love the focus on startups that you have, but hopefully won't be surprised that when I talk to companies that have been PTC customers for 30 years, they're actually doing the same thing. They're actually challenging themselves in the same way because they've actually made a lot of these same decisions and are rethinking them and trying to use simulation more and trying to do design for manufacturability better right there in the CAD tool. So it's interesting how the problems are really the same, whether you are a hundred billion dollar company or a startup, it really is the the same. Yeah, you might have a different scale. But when you talk to the design engineering managers, they would not recognize a difference in the value of this conversation at all, whether they're at a huge company or at a startup. I guess at an existing company with an existing revenue stream, there are different pressures, right? Than a startup that's just trying to make. I don't want to minimize that. But in terms of like pure engineering challenges as it relates to these trends, it's almost exactly the same conversation. Well, I want to talk about too, moving forward one step further, because the first two things we talked about actually lead into this concept of additive manufacturing. And this is something yeah. that you talk about is the third kind of major trend. I want to look yeah. at additive and what you see in terms of value for new products getting to market, both on the design mm -hmm. side, but also on the feedback loop. Yeah, it's pretty wild because we've been watching very, very carefully. I would say we're on our sixth major release with significant enhancements as it relates to added manufacturing. So we're on our sixth or seventh year, depending on when you count when we started development, where we started to realize additive manufacturing is beginning to make the transition from simply a tool for prototyping to a tool that can potentially be used to make early production or even reasonable scale production parts. And it's still moving very, very fast. And for all of us that are in the CAD design development world, it's a challenge to keep up because the market is still very, very specialized. Different tool vendors that build 
additive manufacturing equipment are focusing on slightly different value adds as it relates to the type of material that they're expert in, the type of process that they're expert in. And it's still a pretty segmented market. But the fact of the matter is everybody recognizes the opportunity that additive is starting to make the leap into something that is at the very least mid volume manufacturing ready to like production parts and certainly ready for very, very high quality early prototype feedback loops. That is a fact. And so we have to give the tools to take advantage of that to the design engineer right there in the core CAD environment. If we don't, then we're going to create the same kind of disconnect to other manufacturing processes as we do to additive manufacturing. Like we want to try to make sure there's not a lot of context switching when you're getting your part ready for additive manufacturing. In the startup space, we see, I would say, a higher proportion of use of it for early prototypes and early feedback. And that's a good thing because the parts are getting so good and so high quality that the type of feedback you're getting is so close to what you would get with what we would call more traditional manufacturing processes to make those parts. I see it as a huge opportunity, but depending upon what your early volumes are, you might be able to stay there for a little while as you continue to build knowledge and get feedback from customers before you really commit to tooling. It's a really, really remarkable trend. Things are moving very fast. You have to pay very close attention, but we we see it as continuing to grow. That's amazing. And it's something that's really useful for a startup, especially getting those first few units. There's always that dreaded move from you finish all your design, you've nailed it, you've even figured out all your design for manufacturing engineering. Let's say you're at the very end state of all your hard work and you want to go into production. Well, there's production tooling costs and yes. production costs and setup and all the rest. Yes. And there's a lot of work that goes into that. But this is a beautiful little bridge between the end of your design state and the beginning of your, let's call it hardcore mass manufacturing. This is where you can go to market faster, cheaper, lower units, and get real users to give you feedback. And that is really, in my opinion, the true value. I look at those first production runs, and especially for a startup, it's not something that you want to make money off or even consider as like, if you're selling 100 or 200 units, the goal there isn't to be super profitable and not to start giving you money. The goal for that is to amplify the equity value of your business. And you're doing that by getting real value from customers to tell you precisely what is working, what is not working, and what you might want to add. And that's where it gives you a tremendous amount of confidence yeah. and significantly reduces the risk of the big cost of going to tool up to do 1,000, 10,000, 50,000 units. What better technology than additive, which is historically, of course, it's thought of as 3D printing. And that's really what most the average person thinks about. But it's so much more advanced than that now because the 3D printing abilities, let's call it, are so much more advanced in terms of the accuracy, the quality, the ability to mimic real production parts that you can get. Like you said, Brian, I like how you mentioned the word very close feedback to what you're in product would be to make you so much easier to essentially be a commercial success. Because after that feedback, when you've got 100 or 200 people of which you know a whole bunch of them have given you that feedback, imagine the amount of confidence you can go with towards an investor to say, we released a small amount, they, people whipped out their credit card to pay this. Here's the feedback they gave us. Here's exactly how we're planning to incorporate that feedback. And potentially based on those users, here's some bigger buyers that are now interested as a result of those first few products. You can be worth 10 or 50 times the value at that point than you were even with a good prototype ready to go to your perceived first idea for what you plan to do for in production. Great, great point. Knowing what I see our customers doing with additive manufacturing, I would say if it were me in a startup role, I would for sure plan on leveraging additive manufacturing to basically defer some of the risk that you're talking about early 
in the process of delivering your product at some scale to the market to try to get feedback, I would say plan on it if you can. That doesn't mean buying additive manufacturing equipment. There are bureaus out there that'll help you with this, with printing those parts, really high quality. And the amount of commitment you have to make from a tooling point of view is so much lower. It's really worth it. I would plan on it. And you can use the CAD tools and the variation capabilities in CAD tools to you know design a part that's intended to be additive manufacturing with an eye towards, say, five-axis machining or eye towards injection molding or an eye towards casting. You can do that if you use the tools uh, in a mature way. And if it were me in that role, knowing what I know now, what I see customers doing, I would definitely plan on that kind of multi-step transition just because of the type of risk it helps you defer, right? It's a super, super way to go with early production introduction. Yep, absolutely, Brian. Appreciate your words of wisdom there. Now, let us know. I know there's a big event coming up. Tell us more about what that is and how startups can learn from it. We're really excited to finally be bringing back to the market our annual user event. It's called LiveWorks. This year, it's happening uh, May 15th through 18th. And as a startup, if you happen to be based in the Northeast and you can get here in person, I highly recommend you come. We have a very aggressive goal, and I don't want to call out my marketing team. Let's say between five and 10,000 people live at the event at the Boston Convention Center right here in Seaport in Boston but we're also going to have a significant online presence. You could be anywhere in the world in a startup. You could see all the keynotes. You can find everything you'd want to know about all of PTC's premier products, whether it's Creo, Windchill, Onshape, some of the newer products we just acquired, like CodeBeamer or even our ServiceMax service-based solutions. It is a really, really fantastic event. No matter what part of the product development process you are in, you can learn something. But for startups, hey, getting the latest, greatest information about what's happening with Creo and Onshape, if you're really into CAD, you can get that at LiveWorks. You can get just by participating online, but you're going to get even more by talking to the experts face-to-face if you can somehow make it here, particularly if you're in the Northeast, if you can make it to Boston for those for those days. So I would really, really recommend it. Yeah, that's amazing. LiveWorks 2023. And of course, I'll put the links to LiveWorks 2023 in the episode notes below. So anybody who wants to click through, you can just do that there. Brian, thanks so much again for all your words of wisdom today on the trends that are happening in 2023 in product development. Looking forward to talking to you again soon. Yeah, I appreciate it, Kevin. Thanks for having me on. It was a great time and uh, looking forward to seeing this podcast come out. I think it's going to be awesome. Thanks, Brian. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Product Startup Podcast. If you found some value in the show, please do us a huge favor and leave us a quick five-star review. If you have any questions, guest suggestions, or anything else, feel free to reach out to us anytime at our email, podcast at macodesign.com. That's podcast at macodesign.com. This show is hosted by Kevin Macko, North America's leading expert on product development for physical product startups. Huge thanks to our sponsors, PTC, and their two best-in-class 3D CAD product development software solutions, Onshape and Creo. And Macko Design and Invent, the original firm providing world-class consumer product development services tailored specifically to startups, small manufacturers, and inventors. Thanks for joining and see you next time.